Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence, learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. For our first caller today, I welcome Tay from Austin, Texas. Tay, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Hi, Molly. Hi, everyone. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing great. Yeah, enjoying the day, uh, enjoying this season in Texas. Definitely a great time to be in the warmer part of the world. I love it. I love it. So, my friend, what uh, tough situation or conversation can I help you with today? Yeah. Um, well, I think sometimes uh, when it comes to saying it skillfully at work, there's always a degree of it being a game. You know, you're two steps away from having this be a business school problem that you're solving for, and the outcomes also sometimes affect you personally and you get invested, but ultimately, uh, I want to talk about the highest stakes, uh, saying it skillfully, and something that's affected me recently with the pandemic um, and a relationship, cohabitation, and uh, getting close to someone, it's really putting a lot more, it's asking a lot more of me than I had been prepared for. And, you know, it's something that is deeply personal. I can't separate my emotions from um, you know, what's going on and there's no business school case to come out of it. It's just um, my partner and I and finding ways to be together, get along and grow closer. And ultimately, you know, goal setting is a little bit less specific for a high achiever like me in a relationship where we're just trying to find what we're meant to be for each other in the best way possible. Oh, I so appreciate you and your opening up and sharing this with us. And of course, our personal relationships are the ones that, gosh, they're the most important. We value the most. Um, you know, that's that's why we do our work uh, for most folks. And I appreciate your sharing it. You know, um, it's your awareness is really, um, you know, I admire it because I think it's not not easy to necessarily deconstruct what's going on. Um, and you've got the, all the work stuff and then this change of personal stuff. And the, to be able to actually step back and be so mindful about it, I have to say, is very impressive. Um, so kudos to you for that. Oh, now, thanks, um, Well, you're <laughs> mindful too. So we're, we're both in it for the same reasons like that. But it doesn't make it easier when emotions run high. Yeah, well, you know, so I guess... The um, the journey is the life is the journey, and I guess with your new partner, I'm curious how um, how he is about that. Is he as enlightened too, and the is the opening there to have the kind of conversations to co-create, saying, "Wow, we're here," and you know, who knows? I mean, are you going to still like me? Am I going to still like you? And being just kind of upfront about the stuff that could be great, but also the stuff that might not be great and how to work through that. So I'm curious how you would gauge the level of openness and comfort having that kind of conversation. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be in it if he wasn't all in and willing to to go deep as well. I think we're both very personal growth focused. He does, he does a lot of work um, for himself and the community around, you know, growth topics that help make him the person that I love. When it came to, um, we made a fairly quick decision with pandemic um, in mind to cohabitate in the absence of, you know, other better options where I probably would have preferred to be alone. And I, I had been for years, like 10 years. <laughs> and uh, it, it comes through a shock to the system because it it is it does make you... Um, see a lot more when someone is there all the time and it's not that we don't love each other but um, having these kinds of uncomfortable d discussions about you know how we're really feeling how we affect each other I think he recognizes that I I can 
go there first and be a leader, which I am glad that I can. And sometimes the person raising, um, you know, concerns and topics can be stirring the pot more, you know. Um, and that, that's been hard for me to, to, you know, raise things that would otherwise maybe not come up in discussion between us. Asking hard him to share and to initiate is, is a really hard thing to ask. What's hard about it for you? I guess that um, that it's it's something that I think I I want to get closer, and to do that, it means sharing more deeply. And uh, if I feel like there's an asymmetry that I'm, you know, going deeper, further, and first, then I I guess it it brings up fears for me that. Perhaps he's not in it the same way. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. That's great information there. Yeah. You know how to get to the point there, Molly. (laughs) Yeah, and I think sharing that is a vulnerability. And, you know, I would... I would just offer in the grand schema, you know, you're not in any hurry to be with the wrong person and neither is he. And at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, that unfolding of who we really are and who we want to be for each other is a creative process. And um, having parents who've been married the long haul, you know, I think when you have common values and you're committed to each other, those are two real anchoring points. And then, you know, you can create a lot and, and make a lot work, if you will. Um, and being explicit about your fears is a great way to then minimize them happening and maximize the stuff that you want to have happen. So, you know, not unlike with teams, your ability to sit and say, you know, what would, how would we flourish? What would be amazing for us? And just say it. Um, and at the same time, what would be scary and not great? And get that out there. Um, and it, that could absolutely change week to week. But to be able to 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 realize that if we're open about it, if we're open about it, we can do something about it. Right. If we're not open, it's that's just that's a tough place to be, and it just sounds like you're so all in, and and so is he. And so I would say, if if the downside is the person isn't really there, which is heart can be heartbreaking, but at the same time, you know that's you you really want someone who is, and you'd better you'd be better off knowing yeah. than not. Yeah. I think finding that out as soon as possible is. I mean, in dating, for me, that's that's been a, a focus on it. But the scariest thing is, well, what if you find that actually this is a person that you want to be with all the time and uh, want to keep going, want to see how close we can get to each other, to another human being? Really, that's the... Both of us have talked about that being you know, what we're looking from a relationship, personal growth, I guess, compared to a business circumstance, a team circumstance. It's getting what you want in that regard for dating actually doesn't make it easier. <laughs> it's it's yeah, like winning well, a giant I, contract that then you have to deliver on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think if you can let go of all that task stuff, and I, I understand the timing. I get, understand the time. We don't want to waste time. And if you could tone that down a little, you know, you're very mindful. Breathe each day for what it is the pressure of the time isn't going to be helpful, right? So I think the um, um, taking that away and being really present, you're very intuitive, I can feel that, right? So why put that um, uh, pressure on you? Yeah. 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 Ultimately, the only time we get to be in a relationship is now. Yeah. Yeah. And now here for you and now here for him. So I appreciate your bringing this up. And I think for listeners, you know, we talk normally about business. And I do want to offer that really the, the biggest, um, most gratifying thing for me is when I work with people and they can take all this, say it skillfully, to their home lives. And so I really honor you, Tay, for bringing that to the front. I hope it has people thinking about their relationships and how they want to create them, um, how they can be their best selves. And um, I guess I'll just ask one, do you have one top takeaway from our little chat today? I, I think when you, you summarize that um, 
I have to let that go. Let go of, you know, expectations on the future and past. And I think when you said that, I, I felt a little, uh, you know, my muscles relaxed a little bit and I, I did breathe a little deeper because in the day-to-day, um, it, you know, it, it is very moment-to-moment and ultimately it's the sum of all of those moments that make up your experience and to let go of uh, the moments that we don't have control over and focus on what's really going on right now, which is a fantastic person and that we'll figure it out. I am cheering for you. You know how to reach me. <laughs> I'm always inspired by you and you know how uh, we'll stay in touch and um, know I'm cheering for you. And I always thank you for being part of the solution. Take You take good care. Love you so, Molly. Thanks. Love you. Ah, such a treat. Okay, we're here for an additional treat because my guest today, seriously, I don't think I've had anyone on the show with as much breadth and depth in their career. So to be clear with listeners, my intention is not having anyone, including me, feel inadequate or that you've not worn enough hats in life. At the risk of doing so, I'll share a bit about my guest, who's trained as a medical doctor at Harvard, an MBA at Stanford, has worked in medicine, industry, and academia. He's an expert in mathematical and computational modeling to help make well-informed health and public health decisions. Currently, he's professor of health policy and management at the City University of New York, that's CUNY's School of Public Health, previously at Johns Hopkins in International Health. He's been principal investigator for projects sponsored by the likes of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, NIH, CDC, UNICEF, and the NBA. He's a prolific writer, which I'm in awe about, authored over 235 scientific publications, mostly on system science and using systems methods, um, including over 100 first author and over 80 last author. And so as an aside, for those of us not familiar about writing in science, the first author makes the most significant intellectual contribution. The last author usually is a group leader or principal investigator who contributed you know, significant intellectual input, input, but maybe didn't do the experiments or did the writing. Uh, so, oh, by the way, he's also written three books and covers health-related topics extensively for the general media, over 700 articles as a senior contributor for Forbes and numerous media outlets, Time, Newsweek, New York and LA Times, MIT Technology Review, NPR, Bloomberg, Reuters, and he's founded a few companies. Now, he describes himself as a writer, journalist, professor, systems modeler, computational and digital health expert, avocado eater and entrepreneur, not always in that order. So I'm going to add comedian to that list list too. We'll talk about that later. I'm super delighted that my friend Bruce Y. Lee is taking time to join us. Bruce, I admire how real you are and the positive agent of change that you are. Welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thanks, Wally. Uh, Happy to be here. (laughs) You're more prolific in your writing, sometimes not so much in your talking. So Bruce, um, We've chatted a lot about your background, and mm-hmm. um, and and I think that um, many people, especially looking perhaps at your background, might think that there was this really fabulous grand life plan. And you've been very open with me that how master planning actually didn't work so great for you. So I would really appreciate if you shared a bit about yourself growing up, um, your career journey, and help listeners get to know you a bit. Yeah, there was there was really uh, no plan there. Well, I should correct myself. There there, there were a series of plans that didn't work out. Um, so I like to uh, describe my um, different parts of my life as sort of the, uh, you know, when you have the GPS system in a re- rental car or a car, and every time you go off course, the uh, GPS system goes, you know, recalculating, recalculating. That was basically uh, a lot of my life. So, um you know, when I was growing up, I had a bunch of different interests. Um, you know, I went through the progression that a lot of kids go through where, you know, you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, you know, maybe Superman or something like that. And then I realized that, you know, actually applying for and being pre-superhero is not an actual career path. Uh, so, you know, I did different things. Like I used to build 
cities out Legos. I played different sports. Um, but I didn't have a very clear idea of like what specifically I wanted to do. I, I, I had a rough idea of the types of skills that I'd like to use. Um, you know, I like to build things. I like to create things. Uh, I, I started to enjoy writing when I, I, I began doing that. Um, so even when I reached college, it wasn't very clear either. Uh, and my career path really took me different directions. I did a, a fair amount of writing and, and, in college, um, wrote for and, and became editor for a school newspaper. Then I tell people that I, quote unquote, ended up in medical school because uh, I did have some interest in science, uh, but I didn't see, really see myself staying most of my time in a laboratory. Uh, I wanted to do something where I interact with a fair amount of people um, and help people. So I uh, went to medical school, but then I found that there were a lot of things that I wanted to do that at the time uh, didn't seem available with some of the traditional medical paths. Uh, like I w really was interested in seeing how computers uh, and mathematics could be applied to uh, decision-making and helping um, healthcare decision-making, and, and those things weren't really applicable. So then I ventured off into the business world. Um, and on and on. So, you know, I, there's, there's a lot of different types of uh, details and detailed paths I go through. But basically, there, I spent a lot of time not really being clear of what my path should be uh, and trying different things. And I'm actually quite glad I did that. You know, at the time, it seemed a little bit like, okay, what do I do now? You know, how do I figure things out? Um, so I know that many times people will come to me and say, Oh, you know, uh, how do you decide what to do in terms of your career? And, and, uh, you know, what's the five year plan or the 10 year plan? And I can tell you that changed repeatedly, uh, throughout my career. Did you, when you think back of the, um, not so random, random walk, uh, mm -hmm. what do you think that you, um, in hindsight, I think it's easy to think about the learnings. Like, what were the learnings about yourself? that became mm -hmm. more obvious that perhaps um, you didn't know. And then if we talk a little bit about, you know, we're both uh, Asian Americans and I'd love to hear a bit about your experience with that. Yeah. So I think one of the things is it's really important to figure out what you like to do from a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, it's, it's tempting to say, okay, from a grand scheme, what would you like to accomplish? You know, I want uh, to solve all the problems in the world. Oh, I want to be such and such. So you can be outcomes focused. Uh, and that would be like saying, I want to start playing you know, soccer because I want to win, win the World Cup. And that doesn't make sense. The reason why you start playing soccer is because you just actually enjoy playing soccer. You enjoy you know, kicking the ball around. You enjoy running in the field. So you don't think about the outcomes first and then decide to do something. So it's the same situation with, you know, any type of career. There's a tendency to sit there and say, okay, you know, what do I want to be in, in five, 10, 20 years? And, and that's a question that many times you'll get in interviews. But instead you should be thinking, what do I like to do from a day-to-day -day standpoint? You know, I wake up and what's that like? What time am I waking up? Uh, what am I going to be doing first? What types of skills will I be? Is it writing? Is it talking with people? Do I see myself you know, inside an office? Am I in the middle of a forest? And those type of things. And I don't think I quite realized that early on uh, because uh, there can be a tendency to have everyone be very, very goal-oriented. But then I found that if you do what you enjoy or like to do from a day-to-day -day standpoint over time that actually you actually can start accomplishing things because you actually get better at what you're doing and then you're able to uh, um, <coughs> achieve different things and sometimes things that you didn't realize you might achieve and also you just have no idea what's going to happen in life i mean you know i i don't even know what i'm going to eat for breakfast um, so for me to understand what's going to happen in like two days, three days, you know, a week, you know, a year, that's, that's a little difficult. I mean, no, no one, for instance, could predict that, you know, 2020 would be exactly like how 2020 turned out. 
So you have to be sort of open to anything that can come around and the different possibilities. So I think that's the biggest learning or one of the biggest learnings. That's huge. And so when you're in a medical school program, you know, lots of people have a track. You've done some investment banking. People have a track. And, and I, think, yep. I think it's really um, awesome how you, you know, I call this your true north. So, you know, you might compare folks who you see in these tracks that maybe you know that they don't even really want to be there. What, was it an easy thing for you to be like, you know what, this is not right for Bruce Wiley, so I'm out of here? Um, or was there a lot of like, well, am I, am I, is there something I'm missing? Should I be staying on this track that everyone else thinks is nirvana, but it doesn't feel that way for me? Because I think that is a, a pivot point that people struggle with. Yeah, it can be really tough. Like it can be, uh, you know, there's, there can be a lot of social pressure and pressure around you to, to choose and follow a path because people think of their careers as their identities. You know? so, so what do you do when you, you know, introduce yourself at a party uh, or meet someone in a business setting, the first thing you do is say, oh, this is what I do. This is who I am. This is my identity. Uh, and it's a lot easier if it's a really clear identity. Um, so I remember there are many situations in which you know, the, the people around me, my friends, my acquaintances, et cetera, they had a very clear path. And, uh, yeah, so for instance, I, I, I had friends who laid out entire life like there's, uh, I had a friend who said, okay, this is when I'm going to go to medical school. Okay. This is when I'm actually going to meet and start dating the person that I'm going to marry. This is when I'm going to get married. This is when I'm going to get, you know, they, they, they laid everything out. And I kept on thinking, wow, that's, that's, un- that's unbelievable. And let me lay out my life. Well, let's see. I think at some point I'm going to eat lunch tomorrow and it will involve food. So that was sort of my... You know, sometimes I felt that like I had that amount of planning. And so in contrast, it could be challenging because people would look at me and say, oh, you know, what are you doing? What, what are you trying? Because I, I, I would try different things. And, you know, the jobs can be like clothes. You know, you, you, it can look great. And then once you actually try it on, you're like, okay, that didn't fit. So you can feel like, uh, you can feel very different. You can feel like, okay, why is everyone else seemingly on a very clear path and I'm still trying different things? And I would run into situations which I didn't expect. Like I would, I would um, try a certain path and, and learn that, oh, well, I had no idea that it involved this or, or these are the challenges involved, et cetera. And so, as I mentioned a little earlier, I felt like one of those GPS systems where I felt like there was a need to immediately find a traditional path. Okay, that path didn't work. Okay, recalculating, recalculating. Let's try this path. Okay, then I'll go on this path. Okay, recalculating, recalculating. And I, I did have uh, people that I, you know, uh, friends and acquaintances who would say, well, uh, what's going on? Uh, what, are, what are you doing today? Um, you know, what, 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 what job are you doing right now? And so they were, they were perplexed. I, w- I was confusing a lot of people. Uh, especially the folks that were on very, very traditional paths. Um, and I can, I can see how that can be difficult. Uh, that can mount a certain social pressure that, make, that may make you reluctant to try different things. But I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, well, it's definitely something that you've built up. So will you share a bit about, because, um, again, it, computational and all the systems work. Um, but, you know, I know that, it affects health decisions, health policy decisions. Will you just segue a bit to what you're doing now and how those of us kind of in our worlds, what you do um, Im- impacts us? Yeah, so I tell people that I'm, I do modeling or I'm a modeler. And when I tell people that, they look at my uh, distinct lack of uh, fashion sense and what I'm wearing. It's like, uh, you're, you're not a model. And I said, okay, no, I meant modeling in terms of computational modeling. And that basically means building computer models that simulate different situations. So uh, you may have heard of things like SimCity or The Sims. Or, you know, th- those are computer programs or, or uh, computer games where you can simulate being a person or simulate a city, and you actually have you know, people doing different things. So, so, so we're in that field. 
where you, you built uh, simulation models that can then serve as these quote-unquote virtual laboratories to test different things. So, for instance, if you have virtual people moving around in a city you know, uh, from their households, going to the schools, going to workplaces, and interacting with each other, uh, doing daily things such as eating and exercising, you can then see what might happen over time with the current situation, and then you can introduce different types of policies and interventions. You can say, okay, what happens if we uh, change the type of food that they're eating or introduce more uh, healthy food locations or maybe introduce some more parks? Or what would happen if we spread a new virus like uh, the COVID-19 coronavirus? You know, how would it spread throughout the population? What would happen if we introduce vaccines or different types of vaccines and then test that all in the safety of a computer so you don't have to wait until real life and see what happens in real life. So people have done these in other fields, uh, like, for instance, whenever a space shuttle or rocket goes up uh, into space, they've done many, many, like millions or even billions of hours of simulations to figure out what might happen to help with planning. And the same thing with weather. So when you see those fancy maps you know, on the weather forecasts, those are actually the outputs of computer simulation models. So we do that for health, healthcare, medicine, public health, those areas. Wow, that is so cool. Uh, you have written a lot about the virus and COVID, and I, I, I mm-hmm. will get to your love of writing in a bit, but just on the COVID topic for our listeners, because you're, you're kind of a pretty broad um, view of what's coming in what would you say is the biggest myth you know that that you actually think people are not informed on and then you know suggestions you might have for people to just you know um, be more resilient in this time going into winter and, and all that oh yeah so myths myths and misinformation have been floating around even more rapidly than the virus uh, during this pandemic. So, you know, you go on to social media or you, uh, you know, look at Facebook and um, different posts. There's, there's so much information that's floating out there, and a, and a lot of it is misinformation. Uh, so it ranges from, you know, how the virus emerged to what spreads the virus to how severe it might be and why people are doing different types of policies and interventions. And there's just a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, The key thing to remember is that, first of all, this this was not completely unexpected. I mean, there there were warnings for many years that a pandemic would happen. The question wasn't if it would happen, it's when it would happen. Uh, So it's not unusual that this actually happened. Uh, so there's been myths about, oh, you know, uh, how it started or that, you know, one, one myth was uh, this is actually 5G uh, and not a virus. So uh, in different places, people have been trying to take down cell phone towers. Or it, I, I believe in the United Kingdom, there was some people actually set cell phone towers on fire uh, because they thought 5G was actually causing this. Um, the, the answer is no. There's, there's no indication or evidence that this is actually being caused by, by 5G. There's actually a virus that's circulating. So that's one example of a myth. Uh, and then there's been a lot of uh, misinformation about how, oh, this is not, uh, this is just like the flu. Uh, this is not the flu. Uh, it's a different virus. And, uh, you know, the outcomes are different. Uh, people are actually uh, dying from the, this virus at higher rates than the flu. So that's another set of misinformation. And then there's all these treatments that, uh, you know, people are touting that, oh, you know, you can, um, you can avoid the virus with uh, positive thinking. Um, you know, that may work for great for like, uh, you know, if you want to improve your job situation or, you know, be able to hit a tennis ball and things like that. But like positive thinking alone is not going to get rid of the virus. Uh, and then you, you see all these treatments out there on, on the Internet, and, uh, you know, the vast majority of them don't really work. So, so I could talk for hours about the mis- misinformation out there. 
So what's a, you know, I think that it, it really is, you know, I think a lot of us are, oh my gosh, how could people believe X, Y, or Z? And for the folks who believe it, they really believe it. Right. Thoughts on what, pe- how people can be supportive versus, oh my God, how can you believe that? You know, how, mm-hmm. how, how do you think we can all be, you know, helping each other to get to a truth, right? That, you know, is hopefully what we really do want. And that does presume that people are open, but I, I'm just curious, you know, you're, you are so public with the writing. What do you, what would you say to listeners? How could we, you know, do something better ourselves to help the situation? Yeah. So one is thinking about where the information is coming from. So think about the source, think about how it's actually being explained and described. Uh, so you, know, you see a range of people these days talking about the virus, and it's going to range from people who've been studying these things for years, uh, studying public health, or studying infectious diseases, et cetera, to people who are completely uh, new to this. So you want to look for, like, so when someone is advancing a, a theory or is explaining how something works, you know, look for the actual evidence that's being provided. And then also look for any particular reasons why the person might be doing that. You know, are they pushing something because of a political agenda or uh, is there like a financial interest there, et cetera. But also look for what the explanation is. So you, so for instance, like, let's take the 5G example. Okay. So 5G is really causing this pandemic. You know what, what is the connection? You know, what, what is the actual science behind this? Um, you know, who's saying this? How many people are saying this? You know, what is the motivation behind this? It's really important. You know, you don't want to just listen to someone just for the sake of listening, even if that person is very well known or, or famous. You know, you, you want to try to figure out yourself, okay, is this really, you know, what's the evidence behind this? Um, what are different people saying about this? Uh, so it is good that it can start a discussion, you know, because I think there's not enough science discussion. So, you know, we, 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 we talk a lot about, um, you know, you can talk endlessly about different topics. Uh, you can talk endlessly about, you know, what, what are, what are uh, different people wearing on TV or, you know, um, avocados. Well, actually, that's fine. You can talk about avocados. That's, that's always good to talk about. Uh, but other things, you know, you don't necessarily have to spend as much time talking about those things. What about shifting the discussion science? You know, have real scientific discussions. Science is fun. Uh, it's not. It's not just a bunch of numbers or you know people in labs or uh, people wearing funny clothes. Although they sometimes they do wear funny clothes, um, and then talking about using language that no one understands and and uh, you know technical words and things like that. Yeah, it can be fun. And a lot more people need to talk about science because science really affects everything that you do in life. You know, you you get up in the morning. You, you everything you're using each day is affected by science. You, we would not have toilets if there was no science. I, I don't even want to say it happened if that didn't happen. But, but there's all kinds of things around us that's really generated by science. So we need to really start, you know, moving science back into our daily conversations. I love that. Science is fun. I thought science was fun. So let's bring fun back into mm-hmm. science for people. Uh, on a personal note, with the the pandemic, how has it, how has it, you know, shifted for you, your work, your personal life? Uh, curious you know how you've how you've adjusted life has been very different uh, i i usually travel a lot uh because i do a lot of global health work so traveling to different countries different continents um so i remember a number of years back i had the uh my sort of George Clooney moment. You, you, you know that movie uh, Up in the Air when uh, George Clooney is sitting in an uh, airplane and uh, he, gets, uh, he gets told that, oh, you're in a special, uh, you know, most miles flown club or something like that sort. That, that, that happened to me. I remember when I was flying around a lot and, and uh, the uh, pilot um, and the flight attendants came out to me and said, oh, we're so glad that you joined us on this flight. And I realized, oh, my goodness, I'm flying. Uh, much too much. Uh, so my uh, travel has um, has cut down significantly, basically um, to zero. So I'm doing you know work 
remotely. Uh, I'm on Zoom calls and and uh, uh, talking with different people by different means. So I've had to adjust those things, and of course, doing the social distancing, taking all the precautions. Uh, so life is very different, but I think it also has helped encourage uh, new thinking, like, okay, how do we accomplish this differently? Uh, how do we make uh, meetings more fun? Uh, how do we still connect with people when we're quote-unquote distant? So the pandemic, of course, not a good thing. You know, it's, it, I think it's brought a lot of hardships to different people. Uh, it's caused us to really upend our lives. But the positive is I think it helps us rethink how we're doing things from a day-to-day basis and be more creative about, about getting things done. Uh, so, and it's, I think it's, it's led to you know, some deeper connections in some ways. So, so th- there are positives behind everything, and there's really ways to uh, move forward with, with different situations. I appreciate your, your helping us see the light on that because it is um, not something we'd wish, but I think it some, for some reasons had to happen. And so hopefully we, we do make the best out of it. Uh, so segue, because we did say it skillfully. Do you have, Bruce, a challenging conversation or a situation that uh, we might talk through for listeners? So any type of challenging situation? Yep, any conversation. Uh, could be personal, could be work that... Um, maybe you're not having or that you're seeing, seeing other people have, they're not going that well. <laughs> well, I think one of the uh, things, and I think it's great, you know, safe, uh, skillfully is, is, is a great motto. It's, it's something that's really important. Uh, there's too many times that I've seen where people don't really tell you what's really going on. So I've, I've seen in, in, um, situations in which uh, maybe someone is struggling and they don't, you know, they, they don't know how to handle a situation, but they want to put up a front. Uh, so uh, you know, I can give you several examples of people who uh, they, they didn't really know how to handle work. Uh, they didn't really know how to handle projects, but they wouldn't they wouldn't admit it. They wouldn't say, oh, well, I don't know what to do in this situation. Um, and we all have to realize that not every, you know, no one is good at everything. You know, we all have, uh, we all have the things that we are naturally stronger at, that we gravitate towards. And then we have situations things which maybe are, you know, our, our blind spots or things which, you know, we don't really feel as comfortable doing. And it's important to really, admit those things because what you want to do is be in situations where you really your skills and your inclinations fit what needs to be done and those things that are off from those things you should find other people to help with so you know that's what teamwork is about so i think one of the tough things is 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 bringing up those raising those issues and trying to get people to feel comfortable with admitting when they can't do certain things and trying to yeah. figure out solutions. Because when you yeah. cover up those things, then it just becomes like a, you know, it, it becomes like putting a helium in a balloon. It just gets bigger and bigger and eventually things blow up. Yeah. Yeah. I think listeners can relate that this is something folks see a lot of. And I think the, the thing, you know, if you don't, if fundamentally people don't have the trust and the confidence to be able to kind of admit I'm wrong, and um, or I don't really know. It's not necessarily something in an instant that someone can address. If you're sensing it in a situation, though, I do offer for folks to be able to say, you know, a personal example. You know, I remember when I and and just kind of saying, I got so many times where I haven't wasn't able. I didn't know X, Y, or Z, and I put it out there, and I was so glad I did. And just so everybody knows, you know we all have blind spots um, and, and we all have opportunities for growth and it's a real strength and just kind of putting that out there so that people would realize, you know, I'm going to value you more. I'm going to value you more if you're just, you know, being upfront about things that you're not 
um, as comfortable with. And then also owning, gosh, if in any way I'd done anything that, that leads people to think that it's not okay to say that you don't know the answer or that you're not sure, I just want to make sure people, you know, I'm, that I'm really clear because I, good, goodness, I would not want to extend that. And in a meeting setting, that's maybe the most someone could do at that point before pulling someone else aside. But I think, you know, your point of this whole facade, like, oh, I have to be, I have to know it all or what have you, is really a real problem at work. You know, I mean, I think that's really something where people have to be like, I'm bitter, smarter, whatever than I really am. And that's just really a hard place to be. And that's Bruce why you're so amazing because I feel like you've really you're just really comfortable in your own skin, you know, to your credit. So uh, thanks, Molly. Yeah, I mean, I, you, there are many things that I can't do, and things that you know people around me are fabulous at doing. So, you know, why not? Why not identify who those people are and say, "Hey, I need help with this," or and so and I, that that can be tough to do, but it, ultimately, it's about getting things done. And, you know, in, in that way, you can also find out what you're good at as well. So um, I think being real. Yeah, I've, I've learned that. I really, I really take that from you. Um, you've been so amazing. One last question for you. What, mm-hmm. you know, of all the areas you've had impact, and there's a lot, what is the best compliment or best kudos that you've, uh, that you've received so far? Best compliments or kudos? Hmm. Well, so one of them, I guess, is is what I just said. When people say, oh, you know, you're real. I actually think that's, that's, a, that, that's a great compliment because it just tells me, okay, I'm, I'm being clear about things. Um, and I'm you know, trying to be as close as possible. Uh, so, you know, I like to do that because I think that connects to different things. And it's a compliment that I like to give to other people as well uh, because I think it's really important. Uh, so maybe I'll choose that. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. So, folks, if you want, uh, or please, I would encourage strongly to follow Bruce on Twitter. It's at Bruce underscore Y underscore Lee um, at Forbes.com. You can um, uh, find him as well. He really does. It's the cheekiest articles. I burst out loud laughing every time I read one because you're chock full of information, but in a really clever way, Bruce. Um, and I just, I just want to thank you. You are a bright light for me. I appreciate you. Um, if I can be of help, let me know. And, and most of all, I thank you for calling in and being part of the solution. Thanks, Molly. It was fun being on this show. Take good care. Ciao. Okay, we're going to zip over across the Atlantic to Poland now, and I'm welcoming Franciscus to the show. Franciscus, thanks for joining me. Hello, Molly. How are you doing? It's fantastic to hear your voice. You've had all this LinkedIn back and forth, so I really appreciate your um, calling in. And congratulations to Poland for this amazing Roland Garros champion in Iga um, Shawantek. She's just this 19-year-old tennis phenom, and I'm just like, she's my new idol. Uh, Nice, yes. Uh, For Poland, it's also nice because every gain, sports gain of this kind is a stimulant for the people. Oh, we can do it, you know, we are great. And uh, she can do it. We are supporting her, but it means we are folks who can do it. And uh, it, yeah, it's very nice to see this young talent. Yeah, I love it. So uh, I uh, would love to hear what conversation or situation is on your mind that I might help with. Um, I am lately having a lot of um, thinking about. Uh, family business. I'm, I'm coaching in rather small businesses at this moment, and there, the family is the most important, which is sometimes an obstacle for the, uh, the workers, the employees, or the other people working in the company to get a real say going and 
It's it's not. I think only about saying it's it's uh, something like an old um, thing which we all have in us. The family is very important, and that's true. But the family can also be an obstacle. Um, in these kind of businesses, they can kind of isolate and people who are more creative than members of the family and. It sometimes stops and upholds the um, the growth of such companies. So I would be happy if you could say something about it. Yes, family. Well, family enterprises can, are so special and and have very unique situations. And I know many people specialize in working with families. Um, and it sounds like you have the privilege of doing some of that, Franciscus. You know, I, I do think that there's a certain there's a certain bond about the family that uh, cannot be uh, broken or, or or transcended, if you will, because in some cases that is the most important thing for some. Meaning that they may not want to have um, a non-family person or someone who might be perhaps more qualified but they really want to stick with the family. And I think that um, as folks working in those enterprises, it's just important to appreciate what are the, the norms for that because those folks, it's the family company and they run it, right? So if they only want to have family members or what have you, that's absolutely their prerogative. You know, and there's, there's no point in you know, arguing that, if you will. So I just think understanding and appreciating the, the, the history and the connection there is it's just a reality check right and then if one assumes that they're in the organization the organization presumably is trying wants to do the best for the whole and the ability to highlight that um, you know what are you noticing maybe you're seeing it doesn't serve the organization as well um, and just opening that up for conversation not for solving is a way to just see if you can test the waters and 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 um, if they're willing to to go there. So I could imagine, you know, when you're from the outside, you can see this, oh, it's, you're making it hard for this person. And rather than get to the actual solution that you see, is to get way back in the, in the early stage of just bubbling up what you're seeing and, and getting input on it and asking questions about, oh, how is that working for us? Um, mm -hmm. Do we think there might be a better way are we open to doing it differently? Not you know, non-judging, mm -hmm. non-threatening, just creating space is is how we might label it. Let me pause. How's that mm. landing for you? Uh, sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, Molly, it's uh, in fact uh, a wider problem, uh, and that's uh, why I'm studying this matter lately very much. Um, for instance, in a corporation, um, I have also noticed uh, a corporation where I work, and we we can solve everything with the specialists we have in-house and more or less they um, there's a slight closing up for outside intelligence of uh, of a corporation large corporation uh, of course they check the whole market on advice and knowledge and everything uh, still however it's it's not about probably the scanning of all the possibilities which are in the world and in the market, it's some kind of, and this is the same thing as I have noticed in these family companies, uh, we as persons have an ego, and our ego can be sometimes helping to be strong and courageous, but sometimes it helps us to be um, withholding our growth. And the same is true for family. Family also has an ego, and you could even say a corporation has an ego. Um, I think these are very difficult topics, and, and I'll be very happy to talk with you about it because, you know, it's it's indeed transcending some borders. And and what you said about, you know, um, just opening it up with conversations without threatening to go in one direction or the other. That's, uh, that's nice. Thank you. Thank you very much for such uh, hints. But how would we go about in, in larger organizations? 
like um, yeah, oil and yeah. gas where I worked. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing this word up, the ego. It, the ego, you know, we, we need the ego. We all have ego. It serves us in many ways, and in many ways it doesn't. And I think, you know, we're, um, we can't solve it in an instant, but I guess the thought I would leave is when we're noticing that, again, noticing it, I think that that's an opportunity to raise, you know, I appreciate how passionate people are. I respect the expertise that we have. I do have one question. I am wondering, you know, to what extent perhaps we're having some egos um, take the stage in an open way, right? And just say, hey, I understand it. I, I have my own ego and it gets the best of me, you know, more often than I would like to admit. I would just like to offer mm -hmm. that is there a way that that may be something that's going on and see what people say because you're calling it out. Right. And so if people mm -hmm. want to say, no, there's no ego. Oh, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, I've noticed you raised your voice a little bit. I really wasn't trying to provoke at all. Right. So you stay calm and stay mm -hmm. very Zen mm -hmm. and just see what transpires and work with that. Mm -hmm. So that would be my, um, I mean, my thought, obviously, we can follow up with this. And we are at the end of our time, so I apologize, Francisca, for cutting it short. But okay. you and I can hop back up. And I appreciate you, and thank you for joining me. And as always, uh, being a huge supporter of Say It Skillfully and being part of the solution. You take good care. Oh, so my thought for the week is just very short and sweet. Be real. And I thank you for tuning in. That's a wrap. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. Thank you.